Welcome to another episode of the Unleash Business Podcast, where we interview business people to discuss their journey and unpack the lessons they learn along the way. I'm Jake Dawson, along with my co-host Trent Chapman. This week, we speak to Bianca from CPS and Megan from the Resolution Network. This one was a great chat for anyone in leadership. So many takeouts of it. You know, I, after doing it myself, you know, went back and, and had a look at some of the, the things that I've been doing and... and and started to implement some of these things that, that um, they, they spoke about. It's really a must listen for anyone who leads people or deals with people in their day-to-day work life. Um, even just one part that sticks out to me where she, we asked a question and she turned around and put the question back onto us. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just perfect people management skills. Yeah. Um, so even digging a little bit deeper beyond what, she, what they're just saying and sort of... Yeah, and I think it's been needed in the last, you know, six 12 24 months more than more than ever um you know because the change has been so rapid uh you can't just get by by doing things the old way so there's a lot of change management stuff in there too definitely all right let's kick it off um my name's megan lewis i'm the director and co-owner of the resolution network we're a mediation and uh conflict coaching consultancy based here in in taree um, I'm actually uh, a long time, well, I'm not a local really, but I kind of could kind of claim it because we've been holidaying up here for, I'd say almost all my life. We had a, or my nan and pop had a grocery store in Taree and before the Manning River, uh, before the bridge was built, they used to catch the, <coughs> excuse me, punt across to Old Bar. They actually used to say it was that you'd have the joke that you'd either at the um, pub you could win a raffle and you'd get a chook or you'd get a block of land at Old Bar yeah. and everybody <laughs> would take the chook. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how my nan and pop came to it. Maybe they ran a raffle, I don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, Joy Nook was their little place at and, um, uh, Clerk Street, just opposite Flows. Yeah. And um, yeah, we've holidayed up there all our life. Did you know. take four or five blocks now, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You had some other little sold. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go hungry. So yeah, no, we used to. Um, the routine would be you'd um, worm down at Saltwater, and then you'd go home have something to eat, and then you'd go down and fish down at Manning Point. Yeah. Um, and that's what we'd do day in day out, and never ventured anywhere else. We'd sometimes we'd go into Tarry because there's no coals back there yeah. at Old Bar at the time. <laughs> it was a big exciting trip into Tarry. I actually came to Tarry when the um, Olympic torch went through. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, 2000, yeah. Well, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, a little bit so. before maybe. Yeah, yeah. 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 there you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so we, but we, we relocated here uh, in 2000. We bought property here actually in 2003, but we actually decided we'd been living in Singapore, came back from there, we're still living in Sydney, right in the middle of the thick of Sydney, and went, no, nah, we don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and we decided time to go for a bit of an adventure and um, we wanted Sydney to be our base, so we decided to be four hours from Sydney was our kind of maximum. So we jumped in the car for one week and um, just went off for a trip to see what where we'd land. We had I never in my wildest dreams did I ever imagine. <laughs> I swear, never <laughs> in my wild. If you'd said to me as a ten year old, you'll be living in the Manning Valley, I'd be going. You, not going to happen. Yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just didn't even cross my mind. Um, so we, we went to the Hunter, had a look around there, land was – because we definitely wanted land. Yeah. Uh, too expensive, funny that. Uh, got to Gloucester, still too expensive, and got to Wingham and went, oh, this is pretty right. Mm. And, and actually people were really lovely to us. That, that was one of the things that really made a difference. We went to a cafe and people were like, oh, what are you doing? And yeah. we had all these maps out and they're having a look at it and they're like, oh, you should go and check out this and do that. So, yeah, we ended up buying 200 acres up in Elands and – Went up there and played up there for a 
you know, three or four years yeah. doing a bit of contracting work in Sydney, um, but basically just being farm girls, um, which was awesome, yeah. you know, because you know we had got to ride motorbikes and have utes and have tractors and chainsaws. Again, and telling your younger self that you probably wouldn't have believed that. Either. No, well, <laughs> I, actually, I always well, we both want always wanted land. Yeah, yeah. I grew up on five acres out in Golston. So yeah, yeah and and then we realised uh, we better get back to doing some work. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd I'd been working in marketing and comms for twenty twenty five years, and I decided to retrain as a mediator when I was still down in Sydney. And that came about because I recognised in myself I didn't deal well with conflict. And I, so I went off to do my mediation training just as much to develop my own skills. And then I went, wow, this is really cool. Mm. I like this. Yeah. Um, and then I had a look around and I was like, yeah, there's no private practice mediations, uh, mediators really that were out there as a practice. There are private practitioners mm. but not out there marketing yeah. a business. And so, yeah, I set that, it up in 2010, 10, 2009. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's all, is it mostly operated locally? Yes. It, it, sometimes I go to Newcastle. I've done a little bit of overseas work. Um, but, yeah, I, the last couple of years I've gone, you know what, my LGA, yeah. they're my people. That's who I want to work with. I want to help local business owners better feel better, feel more confident to deal with difficult situations in their workplace mm. because when things are going good, things are great. Mm. But when things go pear-shaped, and I've talked to a number of business owners that are like, oh, my gosh, I've got this workers' comp case and it's just taking up all my time or I've had this, you know, like, yeah, I want to really support local business owners to better manage those tough situations. Yeah. That's my gig. Yeah. Well, it is hard. You talk to almost any business owner and they always say that the people within the business is the hardest part, right? Yeah. At first, the hardest part might be getting work and getting some money in the bank, but after that, it's all people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, most people leave a job they're because they're bad managers. Manager. Yeah. 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 yeah, you know, so it's a, it's, I think feelings go both ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we really look forward to digging into that a little yeah. bit more, but we might jump over to Bianca to talk about CPS or talk about your entry into the area and then CPS a little bit and then go from there. All right, so my name is Bianca. I'm a clinical psychologist and um, I've moved here to this area about four years ago. From Germany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's she right. guessed How it in one trip. Take two makes it easy. <laughs> From Germany. And um, I actually grew up in a small community, not too dissimilar to what this area here is like. And uh, my dad um, had, had a small business as well and uh, he was a tradie, so he had a painting business. And um, so I'm quite familiar sort of with the landscape and how, you know, small communities operate. And um, I have moved to Australia in my mid-twenties, means that I've trained in psychology overseas and um, my skills translated quite well over here. Degrees are recognised between the two countries and um, that made it quite easy. But um, before coming to this beautiful area here, I've um, lived in Alice Springs, which is right in the centre of Australia, um, again, a small community because I don't do cities <laughs> <laughs> at all. And um, uh, obviously culturally very different out there and the weather as well. For mm. starters, there's, you know, a lack of water out there, whereas here we've got plenty. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes too much. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. sometimes too much, so that's exactly right. And so moving to this area here four years ago was right in the midst of, you know, the drought that you go- were going through and then the fires hit and... Obviously, the floods, and which impacted um, a lot of you know private people, but businesses as well, and how we do things. And 
to top it all off, COVID came along. So, yay. I think, yeah, uh, yeah big impact on, you know, all of us yeah. here. And I think it made us part of the community quite quickly, but it, yeah. at the same time it had barriers as well. Yeah. Um, CPS is um, a privately established um, psychology practice. It's been operating for 20, 25 years, something like that. So quite a long time. Um, I've only come on board uh, a year, three months ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, I love working here. And the uh, private practice has good relationships with people like Megan yeah. <laughs> and the Resolution Network, but also um, other businesses and uh, with um, uh, medical bus- businesses in yeah. the community. So, And so where does that synergy fit between you two? Um, between CPS and between um, the Resolution Network. How did that come about? What are you doing with it? What is the plans to do with it? Well, I I kind of... Well, Renee Taylor was the original owner of um, CPS and now it's owned by each. Um, So I'd known Renee for ages. um, And we always talked about doing things together. And then when they relocated uh, to their office in Victoria Street, there was an extra room in there. I was like, hey, I'll be a roomie. I'll be a roomie. Um, and so th- I guess, you know, we started talking more and actually seeing the synergies and hearing, you know, uh, I guess, the, uh, yeah, just t- sit talking around the, the kitchen table yeah. in the staff room, you get to go, oh, right, you know, like, there's oh, a that problem. connection here, yeah. mm. you know, there's um, – so – I think there's it, it started more in an ad hoc kind of way because we we're cohabitating, yeah. Um, and then more recently, we've had some funding opportunities that each got. You want to talk about that one? Yes. So on the background of um, what's been happening here in the community, each has applied for a grant and uh, to roll out some mental health support for businesses. And um, yeah, Megan and I we both put our hands up really and said, okay, let's get some information out there because during COVID, the buzzword is mental health mm. and. Um, yeah, that's what we jumped on. Mm. And you did that through running courses for or um, workshops? So how would you? Yeah. Yep, yep. So we started off running the mental wealth workshop. Mm. Yeah. We did one in Taree and one in Foster. Um, and then in that workshop, it was, I think, a couple of hours, um, which still didn't feel like long enough. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, yeah. here, let us give you all the support now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we, we broke it down into two parts, really. We're looking at um, that mental wealth in terms of um, individuals within an organisation and their own resilience and what is resilience and how do you develop it. And you had the analogy of the leaky bucket and how our stress adapters and See, I was paying attention. <laughs> um, so looking at, at individuals and their resilience and then we, the Resolution Network, we did the part around um, the change management side because often conflict comes about because change is not managed well and we've had to make a lot of changes in the last couple of years and yeah. we haven't had a lot of choice about those changes. But now businesses actually, I think... Um, we do have more choices now. You know, you have got businesses saying, well, well I'm not going to be open on a Monday or I'm going to close at four on, or I'm offering my service like that. I know in our business we're not, I'm not doing family law mediation anymore. I just I ended up just taking too much of a toll on mm. me and so I'm like, well, there's 50% of my business gone, you know. Yeah, um, sure. But that was my choice as a business and mm. now I have to make my own changes. But my point is that as business owners we can be making changes, choices about our changes. Are there... Uh, 
a few key things that you can do with change management like that because it, it is really difficult. I, we've got a relatively established team, especially some of them on there. Mm. And I got a really good example, which is when we just implemented Teams maybe six months ago and said, look, that's our main way of communicating now is Teams. Mm. Um, we'd been using it internal through management and admin for six months before that to trial it. Mm. And then we took it to the text and said, right, as of Monday – this is the plan. Like mm. we've tried it, trust us, give it a go. The phone's there, so use it if you need to. Mm. Um, and at looking around the room and uh, one of the guys specifically was just shaking his head, yeah. just arms, arms crossed. Yeah, yeah. It, all the signalling saying yeah. not a chance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, he, and he literally <laughs> said, this is stupid, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah. Like, just give it a chance. Yeah, I, yeah. I think by Monday or Tuesday said, this is the best thing we've ever had. Yeah. Like why didn't we do this three years ago? Yeah. So is there something that people should be doing more regularly around that change management or? Yeah, look, I think that's a really interesting. And we call the ones that with the arm crossed the, the car park mafia. Yeah. They're the ones that when they go, nah, it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, look, it's a really. I think first of all, when you're doing change, it, nobody likes change. You know, it's just you like it. Yeah, yeah. Most mm. people don't like change. Okay. Um, it, it's about making sure the way we engage our team members is giving them the opportunity to get our vision. Yeah. Because I think often as business owners, we're, we're thinking about it on the weekend and we're talking mm, to our partners yeah. or we're talking about other business owners, like, oh, yeah. you know, we've got this great... And then we go, da yeah. And they go, why? I like my old, you know, form. Yeah. Like, I want to do it that way. That, that why doesn't trickle down <laughs> yeah. sometimes to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, the, the adage is that organisations don't change, people do. Yeah. And so, you know, if you've got a team of 17, it's worth looking and going, okay, where are these 17 people at yeah. in terms of how they might respond to it? Because as individuals... We go through a bit of a continuum of adaption to it, right? So yeah. the first one is awareness, like what is it? The next one is desire, why should I care? Why should mm. I make any effort? Mm. The next one is knowledge, is well tell me what the system does. Mm. The next one is ability, show me how to use it. And then the critical one that most people forget as well as the reinforcement. You know, which is why yeah. we do a new technology and then you look in six months' time and you go, oh, they're st- they've gone back to using that form. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. it's because we didn't go, hey, it's been three months since we've introduced it, let's make sure we celebrate and what are we, what's, how is it going better or what do we need to do different? And seeing it this continual continuum of continuous improvement, yeah? yeah? So if you say that's the culture of our business, we're always going to be looking for doing things better, but the way we're going to do it is do A, B, C, D. Mm. We're going to have a system for doing it. So people don't think it was just, you know, so often, I hear people go, oh, that's just the owner just having another brain, you know, yeah, just yeah, another yeah. idea. You yeah. know, they went to some course and they've read a new, listened to a new podcast and they've got yeah. some, they're going to do change differently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think being systematic about it is important, but also looking at your individuals and your team and acknowledging that they will all come on board differently. Yeah. But there's this formula or this process that they go through that awareness, desire, knowledge, ability, reinforcement. It comes also with behaviours attached to that. Yeah, and so this is where the psychology part (laughs) is so good because I can say from a process perspective but the psychologist in the room will tell you why. Well, I mean, I know for myself if someone's coming up with an idea, what do you do? Oh, no, I don't want to do that. So that resistance thing is the first reaction often that we are seeing and it's that crossed arms that you've just yeah, described yeah, yeah. or the car park mafia. <laughs> you know, <laughs> staff going in the background outside. Mm. It's it sort of – and it, it takes time for people to, to run through this, this change process really in their head until they reach this acceptance part. And so following that resistance that they have, they, they go through, okay, tell me more about that. And that's when we see that people are opening up a little bit and that's where communication is really important to your staff – 
and uh, it's the how you communicate it and, you know, how much explanations um, you're going to give to people and uh, for them to reach this acceptance. And that's the ultimate aim, isn't it? That, yeah. all right, here's the new process yeah. and we're all doing it. Yeah. 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 And a critical part of that buy-in is that, that our team members actually respond typically much better to what our team members, other team members <laughs> say. Yeah. So the business owners say, it's going to be great. Yeah. They're like, yeah, what do you know? You don't have to <laughs> use it. Yeah. But, you know, if another team member goes, you know what, I've been having a go with it for the last month and I think it's really great. They go, oh, all right, Bob says it's yeah. great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's okay, it's great. Yeah. You know, so there's there's different, I guess, um, uh, what's the word, um, ways that you can put it together yeah. as a business owner Rather than just thinking, it's all about me, it's all about my vision, I'm going to communicate it all. It's about thinking smarter about, okay, what, do we, what are the options here about how I could get it across, what might be involved? Yeah. You know. And that, that follow-up that you mentioned as far as just making mm. sure you keep following up, that's sort of just people management 101. It doesn't matter whether you're managing change or yeah. um, managing someone out of a bad situation or into a new situation. Yeah. And it's the easiest thing to forget and the most vital one to make yeah. sure that you hundred percent. I was going to say, you yeah. will often find it's probably the one that's missed the most is that you tell them to do it, you might show them how to do it, you might tell them to watch a video, but then it just doesn't happen and you wonder why. But yeah, yeah. yeah if there's no trigger to follow up, then... We're yeah. all coming with our own abilities here too, you know. Like if, if I didn't sleep well and I've got all these worries about my family in the background, I might not be able to concentrate as well, mm-hmm. you know, at work. And so I think, you know, like Megan said earlier, that it's really important to know where your staff members are at. Yeah. Where each one of them sits right now yeah. and uh, taking it, yeah, one person at a time. There's a, a um, quote that I really like to remember. I'm quite an insensitive person by nature, but <laughs> <laughs> naturally being a people manager, you have to change that. Um, so there's a quote I like to use to try and reinforce that before I walk into a, a meeting, which might go one way or the other, mm. um, which is that um, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Mm. And that one always helps me because you walk into a meeting and you, you know, and in the early days, and I've seen it happen a lot um, before sort of my um, acquisition as management, I guess, um, was that you walk in and you say, this is what you've done wrong, this is where all the mistakes were made, um, and then this person sitting there going, you know, my kid's sick and you don't give yeah. shits. But yeah. There's a good chance the manager doesn't know the kids are sick, yeah. and that's why you need to walk in originally, I suppose, trying to figure out what's wrong before you start throwing yeah. around hammers. Yeah, that's definitely, right. definitely. Completely agree there. So it's, it's really important that we validate also what's happening there. It opens up the dialogue b- between people and it helps us, you know, get on the same page, sometimes even in the same room because, you know, people can be present but not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that leads on, right, I had one main question I wanted to answer. <laughs> 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 there's ulterior motive here, isn't I'm, there? <laughs> I'm not sure that there's an answer to it, right, because we've recently, as you know, um, opened up an AOP for our staff um, and that came off the back of a conference um, and discussions around mental health, that sort of stuff, and how you manage that in a workplace. But my, my, um, I suppose, access to that or um, understanding that prior to that conference and and um, anything like that is always HR and external HR, right? You have internal HR is a potential issue because it's, uh, you know, if it's not on their, if it's not on their exact um, work description, they're not doing it away you find that in places big organizations like the council potentially um and then external hr can be a big issue because then it's like well all we need to do is protect the business rather than the person involved and at the workshops that those external hr often run it says do not know a single thing about your employees mental health because it's really hard to 
exit them or coach them out of the business if you need to do that. Mm. Um, so where do you find that balance? Or, or is that what something like EAP is for, is to say, look, we want to help, um, but we can't really have anything to do with it? So I think there's, there's a couple of um, comments that I want to make about that. So first and foremost, as part of every business, under the Work Health and Safety Act, you actually have got an obligation. And mental health sits in the workplace, Work Health and Safety Act. Mm. So it's not just the uh, manual handling and lifting and, you know, how to stay away from chemicals and keep yourself safe, but it's also the person's right in the workplace um, to be, you know, protected from yeah. a mental health side. Um um, EAP, um, a lot of people say EAP, what does it actually mean? <laughs> so it's Employment Assisted Services. So it is for employees um, to, to access a counselling service or psychology service to get some support. And uh, local businesses here have signed up um, with our service um, to provide uh, or to, to get the support for their uh, employees. And people present with a wide range of problems. It can be actually about how to raise my child and my child is giving me a lot of grief, but it can also be workplace issues. And it's like, how do I communicate better? I'm worried I'm losing my job. Mm. And um, there's a, yeah, young and old, male, female, and anyone in between really comes along and um, is now opening up about that. And we found over time that uh, the, the service keeps people... The aim is to keep people in the jobs. The mm. aim is, you know, for the businesses, for the people to turn up and do their job. And healthy and happy and while they're there. And healthy and happy yeah. while they are there. That's exactly right. So the, the idea is to prevent um, mental health episodes I mean, with the understanding that sometimes it cannot be prevented, but um, also to minimise uh, any workers' comp claims and, mm. and things like that. Because the reality is, while this is available, it's a stressful situation for the employer, but also the employee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's also an obligation, I, I can't quote it to you, but the, that an employer has to accept a person with where they're at. There's mm. an actual name for that yeah. term. Um, so I think it's... And I think it's difficult in our area because it is... It's hard to get staff. It's hard mm. to get staff anywhere, right? Yeah. So, so having somebody on the team able to do the job is a tick. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> then it's about let's, let's um, recognise that all of us, I mean the stats about people that um, have a mental health need, be it from struggling from anxiety to full-blown depression, like, you know, all of us have had, you know, hard days. Um, mm. And so acknowledging that's, that's just part of what our team members are going to, struggle with so I need to provide that support just as I need to provide a printer and a, and yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. a phone I need to provide this to help them to do their jobs. Now sometimes a person might need a lot of support and other times they might need a little bit so I think that's your starting line I think from a business and this is where I probably come in a bit more is that when that person's behaviour or their performance in the workplace starts to be a problem from a business perspective you need to then have that transition to how do I both support you but also still get my business need met? Yeah. And you can do it like you're saying, Trent, but you can walk in and go, or you can say, hey, look, we're mindful that you need this help and that's why I've got the EAP support for you and we're going to trial that for three months and we're going to see how things are going. Like we're not – we don't – they're confidential sessions so we don't know what's going on but you get – you've got a three-month period where you're going to get that extra support – and during that time, we can adjust your work requirements or level responsibilities in this way, but then we'll need to do a review in three months' time and see where things were at. And so it's a partnership here. Mm. Um, so the thing that's often challenging, I think, for managers and business owners is we just don't have that much time yeah. for mm. that other part, right? Yeah, but it's your responsibility as a business owner 
to actually provide a safe workplace in all the ways that we need it to be yeah. safe. So it's just a part of the gig team. And yes. <laughs> you'll, you'll find that you know, business owners are you know, sometimes not hesitant to engage external marketing or external other services. You know, how, how do you see yours fitting into that? Yeah, I, I think you're right there. No use marketing if you don't have staff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, look, I think too often what I, <laughs> way back in my early days, I remember I um, was asked by a small business owner about doing a mediation between um, two people and I was like, oh, they cost this much. I think at that stage it was like 800 bucks. And he's like, I don't even pay them that much in two weeks. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not paying $800. They're the ones causing this grief. They should just pull their heads in. You know, the, the number of times, like, I wish I was job ask, uh, acting like school kids, you know. Um, and then I checked in with them and they said, how, how, how are you going? How did that turn out? He goes, oh, they went and worked, left and they went and worked for the competition. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, $800 bucks seems pretty cheap yeah. now, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> and what does retraining cost? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, I, think, I think often people... In conflict situations or when there's that uh, tension between people, they just think, oh, that's just Shirley and Bob, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. we, we, we don't – we make the mistake of, of attributing to them as people rather than in a business what we need to look at is their behaviours mm. because we're paying them not, – not that we're not paying them to be people but we're paying them to do things. Mm. So we need to look at what, what do we need them to actually do and we need to focus our conversations on that. They don't have to like each other, right? right? But if someone's excluding someone from a meeting or if someone's being verbally abusive towards someone, th- then that needs to be called out. Yeah. And it's a it's a risk to your business to just to go, oh, that's just Bob and Shirley. Yeah. You know, that's a huge – it's a bit like having a machine that doesn't work properly. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. Why would and, you do that? One of your more important machines too if you, if you factor yeah. in people like yeah. for most businesses. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I, that sort of dispute resolution is always such a precarious one because you, you don't want to involve yourself in dramas if you don't need to. You don't want to create the problems that you yep. don't need. But you also, I think you spoke just earlier about, you don't want to just ignore it either. Yeah. Like ignoring it is probably the worst thing you can do. Yeah. So as a business owner, right, say you've got two people in a dispute situation, mm-hmm. how would you navigate that conversation of trying to get involved or do we just outsource it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, my business has yeah, to yeah, say yeah, you yeah, outsource yeah, of it, of course. Yeah. Let me give you my business card. <laughs> um, no, look, I, th- I think um, if you've not had practice doing it, you've not done any training in that way, then potentially just outsourcing it straight away mm. is, is a good first step. Just quickly before yeah. you answer then, how yeah. do you practice? How do you practice? Yeah, <laughs> I actually had that one written yeah. down there, how do you practice? Because I used to yeah, – I've, okay. I've practised uh, over a long period of time. I was exposed to business my whole life yeah. and I've seen it go terribly wrong. Yeah. And then I've been management now for seven years and I'm still horrible at it. I'm <laughs> far better than I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, you might only have that conflict – once a year, yeah. once every two years, yeah. and so you've read four books since then, and yeah. and thought, uh, you know, I know how to do it, and then you snap, yeah. and then after the yeah. fact, you go, oh, that's what I done wrong. Yeah, well, <laughs> cut yourself some slack, right, though, because I always believe there's there's two difficult conversations. There's the one that suddenly happens because you just lose it, mm. right? And we're only human, right? So you go to work and and you will lose it at someone, you know, or, or the partner, or the dog, or, or the kids, or whatever, right? But the second difficult conversation, which to me is almost the more important one, is the one recognising I didn't manage that well 
And so we need to do um, – we need to have a – can we have a conversation about that? Either you didn't react well or the other person didn't react well. So difficult com- – the, the, the <laughs> crash ones, the ones that just appear, <laughs> they're always going to happen yeah. unless you're in some zen state. Uh, but it's getting ready for those second ones. Mm. Um, back to that zen state. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because if – you know, if a similar situation keeps occurring yeah. and, um, you know, there's the same people blowing up over the same thing, yeah. we kind of need to recognise, okay, what are the triggers here? Yeah, and raising awareness to that and mm. going, okay, if I know when Bob looks at me that way that I feel a certain way and conversation doesn't go well, well, we can't stop Bob looking at me. <laughs> but I can yeah. stop how I react to it. Yeah. Mm. And it is about bringing awareness to my own triggers here. And it's all right, if I notice that, what are my choices in behaviour? What mm. can I do? Well, yeah, I can go off at Bob, but can I do something else? And what are those options? And I think teasing that out mm. and, you know, going from a preventative point of view first and foremost and uh, also getting to know yourself. Mm. I mean, what are your triggers? Yeah. 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 So, so Who's your Bob? Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's always – for me, there's two levers that we want to work um, – I guess, use in a business. One is our people, our skill set, their, their personalities, their styles, right? That's mm. their values, their relationships, just ma- who makes them them. Mm. And then in the workplace, we also have our information, our data and our system and our structure. Mm. And we have our common interests, which is our values and our we want to have a profitable business and all that sort of stuff, right? So they're, they're two sides of the same coin. Um what we want to make sure we do is that we've got the systems and the structure and the information and data, like our, we, we know our workplace, right? And looking at that and saying, where are our problem parts? Where do we get pushback? Like mm. rosters are always a bit of a <laughs> contentious one, right? So how do we manage our rosters? How can we do that in a way that minimises conflict? We know we're not always going to please people, but we just need to normalise that. Mm. That's how it's going to go, you know? Um and, and what can we do in a better way in our systems or our structures there in terms of how we're running our business? And then we've got our own skill set. How do we de- develop up our managers, the people that we lean on in our business to be the first port of call if there's some niggle between a couple of people so it's not all the, the, the seagull effect where they come and flapper and <laughs> shit on your desk and fly away, you know. Yeah. That's <laughs> a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, you didn't hear it from me, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's our skill set and understanding ourselves like Bianca said and all that side of it. But I think what we need to do is make sure we've got an eye on both of those because if we don't build a business that um, looks to try and minimise conflict, you know, acknowledge when there's a tough part, then we're creating more opportunities for that conflict that we have to then do better at an individual level and you can feel overwhelmed. Mm. But if you just do it in the system part and you don't actually equip people, then when the things do go wrong, then you haven't got people to do it. Mm. So it's – and it's a constant evolution of learning. Like it's – there's always – What I like here though is that, um, you know, you're talking about the things that you do have control over. Yeah, And, uh, you know, your systems and your processes and talking to people and there's a lot of control. But we've now lived through, in, you know, four years of <laughs> having uh, no, no control, not much control yeah. or, yeah, you know, true. limited control. Yeah. And um, that brings its own challenges, I think, mm. um, to people and how they react to situations. So if, if we present now, you know, system changes to people, they go, oh, here we go again, here comes uncertainty. Mm. And, you know, they go back into discomfort and distress, actually. And you know, it heightens their their response to these changes. Yeah, the people definitely. There's not a lot of there's not a lot left in the tank. Yeah, the resilience. Mm. Um, I think in general, resilience is is down yeah. across. Um, yeah, yeah, and we we are seeing that um, from the young children. You know, the ones that don't sleep well, but also the older ones. 
But, um, you know, we're seeing more conflict between people in, in general in the community, people's, you know, ability to communicate with each other has taken a hit yeah. and um you know first like we had to run around with masks we mm. weren't allowed to meet up and so human beings you know we we are wired to actually hang out with each other and spend time with, we rely mm. on each other and you know all of that got disrupted really and mm. that had an impact on that human level mm. yeah. yeah but Trent, i would go back to that um dispute if you've got um one in in your workplace is um it's 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 easier to sit down when things are going well yeah. and go, where are my weak spots? Where do I think that – where would where if something like that happened would be a real problem for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah? And you can actually then map out, okay, what would be a better way? How could we manage that? What mm-hmm. do we need to do to mitigate that? Um, so that, I think that's a really g- a good thing to do. Yeah. Um, then if you've never actually gone through a dispute between a team members before, then definitely getting someone in to help you navigate that, yeah. see it as a learning opportunity, and then look at, okay, what do we need to do differently in our business to do that? Because I think a lot of time people don't have a dispute resolution yeah. policy plan. Yeah. or mm. a plan, and yeah. it's and, or they've got one that they got off the shelf somewhere <laughs> and it's there, and they get it and it goes, oh, that's not even my industry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not hospitality. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, blow the dust yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they go, oh, you meant to take it to HR. We don't have HR. Right, okay. Um, and, and looking at things like, okay, well, what happens if someone's got a dispute with me as the business owner? Yeah. Like, how do I manage that? Because I'm in a bit of a difficult position. So all of these things can be mitigated or, or can be planned for in the hope that you don't need to use it. But if you've got a plan for it, then you've got, I guess, you know, a game plan. And it is a hard one because you, you sort of, as a business owner, you have that perception of, or even if they're not perceiving it, you you think that they are, that yeah. I'm, I'm against them. Like yeah. it, and it, it, as a business owner, you're, almost your entire day is planning for how do I make this person's life better or how do I keep them gainfully employed? Like what, what can I do to keep this business operational yeah. um, so that everyone's families can have dinner on the table? Yeah. Um, but as soon as it comes to conflict, it's almost as if yeah, me against you rather than sort of work together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Really difficult and one to navigate. Yeah, so yeah. Some, something you said there a little bit was the normalised conflict and mm. it seems to be like it's a, you know, it's almost like a muscle type of thing that the more you use this sort of stuff, the you know, the better you get at it with, with help. Um, but, yeah, how do you sort of work on that as well? I think in that there's – our mindset can make a big difference here. So – if you've got a staff member that pushes back, you can go, oh, that's conflict or, hey, what might be happening here? They're, they're signalling to me that there's something not right and there's not working for them, right? Mm. So if you bring a, a curiosity to it mm. and say, can you help me understand what's happening here for you? It's First of all, your team member will go, <laughs> typically they won't know right yeah. because like bianca says if their top of their 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 thinking brain will have popped <laughs> it tops up and they'll go oh you just asked me what's happening here uh, uh, i'm just acting like an idiot <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. because they've just reacted they're right. not responding they reacted right so so it's i think as self-talk isn't it it's yeah like sort of in you know in your own head how you go oh here we go again and you yep. roll your eyes versus oh okay, how can I help this person? So it kind of shapes your mindset mm. how you go into this conversation. And I think yes, absolutely. So I think as, as managers and business owners if, well, and as team members, if when we, have, we see that signal that, that our brain sees as a potential threat, but we can train ourselves into going, okay, my first question is going to be what's actually happening here. 
and know, so I want to understand from you what you're seeing, like because there's there's something they're seeing that's causing them to react like that. You want to understand what it is because how do I know how to engage with you if I don't know what it is that's pushing your buttons? Yeah. yeah? yeah. And so um, back to that crucial conversations point mm. of that um, fight or flight and why would a reasonable and rational person be acting like this? But from a psychology perspective, how would you, how would you first try to, I suppose, know in yourself I'm about to react um, and what do you do as far as navigating from there? Yeah, that, that can be a bit of a tricky one because we all react differently and I think the, the emphasis is on reacting versus responding because mm. the second you react, you're losing control. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's often physical or physiological signs and symptoms that you are about to not do well. And for some people, it's the sweating. For another person, it's the engaged muscles. Mm. For the next one, you know, they, they turn red in their head and they are just <laughs> going and <laughs> breathing changes. And, you know, that's how you know that your actual lid is about to go. And when, what I mean by lid is that the cortex is responsible for thinking and problem-solving and decision-making. And when that's not working, you know, entering into a really difficult conversation can be really hard. Mm. So that's why we're trying, you know, to keep our lid on. <laughs> <laughs> what can I do? I mean, there's a couple of options. If your lid is about to go, are you able to um, put it back down mm. in that situation? And if you're not able to, to put it back down, can you say, hey, I need five yeah. and I will come back to you? Mm. So whenever you leave a conversation, though... <laughs> Always say, I will be back and give it a time frame. Mm -hmm. Do not leave a conversation and leave, you know, the uncertainty hanging there because it will make it really hard to go back um, mm. later and revisit that situation. Yeah. I, I was, was going to say, the other part is, again, the system structure side versus the person stuff yeah. is, is picking your time to do those things. Like I know when my wife comes back from Sydney... I did not ask her anything for the first 24 hours about what's happening in the house, right? Because it's just not going to go well. Yeah. <laughs> Before we know it, we're in an argument. Yeah. So we've got a rule now, 24 hours, no conversation about what needs to happen in the house. And, you yeah. know, and that's a system, right? Yeah. It, doesn't, yeah, yeah. it means that we don't have to rely on us staying calm <laughs> and being nice and doing all those adult things. It's just – and i gotta, I got to say something and go, oh, no. Within the twenty four hours, can't do it, you know. So Set it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, you don't, you don't walk into, a, you know, a staff member right in the middle of something and say, hey, you know, we need to do this, or, you know, you got to pick your time. Yeah, and so we have emergency response plans so that when shit's hitting the fan, mm. we know how to react and what to do. Um, so I suppose it's very similar. You have mm, those yep. systems in place so you don't have to think. And one of those systems can be, hey, let's take five. Um, I was doing a bit of research on communication just last night, actually, and one of the one of the points that it made is that you can never uncommunicate something. Like you can apologise for it, mm. you can try to sort of navigate your way out of it, you can try to deny it, you can try to do whatever you want, <laughs> but you can never take it back. It's mm. it's gone, it's out there. Mm. Um, and the it will can't have, unhear it either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. And so. it, it will have impact. Yeah, it doesn't matter how right. profusely you apologise and say I was just mad. Mm. It's interesting though, I think in my experience, and I've been doing mediations for like 13 years now, is I, I do find that, it, and it's quite, you know, it's in a mediation you've only got people that haven't talked to each other and they're mm -hmm. really crossing each other and they're just sitting there and they won't even look at each other, they're <laughs> kind of sitting at the table looking at them. And, and by helping them to talk to each other and to share their story with the other person and, and help them understand from their perspective. And often there's a piece of information that that person goes, oh, I had no idea, mm. you know. And suddenly you, you just you see the softness 
come over people and mm. they suddenly like I don't think as humans we actually like being in conflict I don't mm. think it's a enjoy, it's not good for our health Definitely it's not. not good for our brain uh, and so I think any way that we can find a way to kind of forgive or to understand that other person I think we actually seek that mm. it's just whether that person's going to be doing that in a you know I'm going to own what I did mm. and I'm going to share with you what my experience was I don't expect that doesn't excuse me, but you know, but hopefully it'll help you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. Typically, the other person goes, oh, I didn't realise that. Well, this is what's happening for me. And the other person goes, oh, I didn't realise that. You know? yeah. And I always say I've got pixie dust that I can sprinkle <laughs> in the mediation. And, yeah. and, and, but it's not me. It's the fact that they're actually neurologically they're able to let go of mm. the anger and the hostility because now it's making sense. Because when you're in conflict with somebody, you just like you start to load it up and you put other stuff and then they do this and then this was their intention and this is what they're trying to do and they did yeah. it to you. You know? And it's this big ogre that we create and it's actually potentially that person just didn't go to good sleep yeah. and they just mm. missed the mark there, you know? Yeah. So Going back to that ogre though, <laughs> it's a very normal thing. Oh, so, 100%. You know, like we and we like it sometimes. We like that well, feeling. We do. We do. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, these are called thinking errors actually. So in our thinking, you know, we've got something called automatic thoughts and they are affected by cognitive distortions, thinking errors. And these can be things like overgeneralizing. So just because the person has done this one thing, they always, always do, do that. Mm. Yeah. So we're, you know, putting putting the type of language in there or, you know, we're minimizing things. So people are making mistakes. Oh, it's just such and such, you know, she's doing what she's doing. It's actually not that big a deal. So or sometimes making things even bigger. So there's lots of those thinking errors that guide how we go in our day to day. So again, similar to the awareness of our of our body and how we are reacting, I think we need to be aware of what our thinking is doing. And, and do you have any tips or suggestions for that? Because it's something I hear a lot. Yeah, you know, if you're reporting something to a manager, oh, so and so always does this. The manager then gets the message that this is always happening. So how do you how do you stop that miscommunication? And you know, as you said, the cognitive bias yeah, yeah, yeah. from from occurring or, or you know getting around it or you know making sure you're not. Well, it is about, like Megan said earlier, it is about calling it out Mm. and, you know, just the the curveball of, hey, hang on, is that true? (laughs) Do they really always do that? (laughs) (laughs) Once we start questioning that, we're building awareness that we are actually using that. Mm. And uh, once we've got the awareness, we're able to stop it. Mm. But if we're not aware that we are using that in our Mm. day-to-day... And again, that comes down to the, again, a business owner's responsibility to be listening out into how your team are talking, like... I know it's an extra thing for us to do, but it's, you know, this is sort of like a save a penny or something. It's a dime in time or something. Yeah. Yeah, there's an old yeah. saying about, you know, you, you'll get it down the, the, the line if you can actually help your managers to go, hey, can I just give you a bit of feedback when I'm hearing you talk? Mm. You know, I'm wondering when you say always, is, is that actually true? Yeah. Or is yeah. it just that they did it that once? Oh, no, they just did it once. Okay, so that might be. Yeah. You know. yeah. Rephrase yeah. that or, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the business ma- the business owner, business manager can often wear so many hats that yeah. they can sometimes just li- let little things like that slip. But you know, they build up and build up, and that's how we can get into the big conflicts. Yeah, yeah. That's where yeah. The problems come from. Yeah. I was um, talking to a mate of mine I haven't seen for a long while at the pub on the weekend, and um, he said, "Oh, I'd love to come back to business. You know, my old man's got a business, but it's so small. It'd be too hard to grow it, and like to where you are, and then it'd be easy." Mm. And I was like, "Here we have." 14 employees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was nothing. Easy is pest control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 14 employees is hard because yeah. as you scale and, and, you know, when we're at four or five, 
um, you had four or five people who, you know, they might have every 10th day as an off day. Yeah. So then, you know, out of every 40 days, you've got um, four bad days. At 14, out of every 40 days, you've got 14 bad days. Yeah, so yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> numbers are nearly great. 50% of yeah. the time, you, you're um, potentially battling issues. Yeah. And obviously, you do get better at it, but that you start to see the importance of taking time to mitigate them so that, mm. all right, let's get back to four in every 40 yeah, because then yeah. we'll be happy and everyone else yeah. will have far less issues yeah. as well. I think it's also for a lot of our local businesses, we I he- often hear about, you know, we run it like a family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, how's your Christmas day going? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I, I really love that sentiment. Yeah. Um, I think, though, we still need to um, be get that balance right the sweet and sour mm, of yeah. we're running it like a family. So that means we can give a little bit of lenience. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, for us to all succeed in both the business and our roles, then we do need to have some boundaries up it, there. Yeah, in my experience, you need an incredible amount of clarity. Oh, yeah. If you yeah, do this, yeah. this will go wrong. Like a, a yeah. family, the consequence is far less. Yeah. I suppose, well, you know, potentially bigger. Um, <laughs> you, know, you might not talk to your parents for a you know, yeah, number yeah. of years or something like that. <laughs> but... but but the the immediate consequences far less. Eventually, in yeah. your head, you're like, I'll, I'll come back around to it. Yeah, yeah. That won't happen in a business no. unless you've got those clear boundaries and clear reactions. Yeah, yeah. yeah the clear boundaries, I think, they yeah, start 100%. with when, when do you f- turn your phone off? You know? yeah. Like, <laughs> when do you stop taking phone calls? When you go on a holiday, how much of your emails do you read? Yeah. Mm. yeah how much do you let in? And that goes for the business owner, manager, as well as the employees. Yeah. So, you know, where do we create the space that everyone has got time off and yeah. looks after themselves and their family? Yeah. We had, um, when we implemented Teams, like I was telling you before, the, I, I started seeing uh, my admin team respond to messages at 7am or at 7pm or something. And so in, in our next admin meeting, I put them aside and I said, everyone needs to delete this off their phone like this. It's my job mm. to respond then or mm. their job to ask the question before it gets to 7pm. It's mm. not your job to respond at that stage because you need that time. Mm. And the last thing I need is for you lot to burn out because you're working you know, you 12 cook, hour days you're cooking dinner and you're also <laughs> responding to messages and that's exactly mm. right so it's only a matter yeah. of time isn't yeah. it and yeah. then and you know the, the come around to that potentially is 12 18 months later that you know oh, i do all this extra work a i didn't ask 100%, you to 100 <laughs> percent. i don't yeah, yeah. i actually don't want you to yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that creates yeah, expectations like, doesn't it yeah. And yeah. people get disappointed quite quickly and that's when communication can go downhill again yeah it's hard to put the toothpaste back in the tooth tube. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> we, we um, yeah, again, part of a lot of business circles and things like that, you know, one of the things we hear from most people is it's hard to find people, um, you know, they don't understand, things like that. What, what do you say to those sort of things when they come up in, in conversation? Like, you know, business owners saying that, you know, that you can't find people this generation, you know, don't yeah. understand what it is, you know, things like that. What do we have to do differently to give them perspective? I, I think, well, I want to talk about the the expectations and the different generations. I think that's, yeah. that's a really it's tough a one because, that because that's actually almost like, I want to say, I'm not saying it's hardwired in that it can't change, but it's a forces have been at play for a lot longer than your employment and there's other factors that are influencing that um so yeah i i don't i don't have any good answers to that one because it's something that we're going to have to learn to work around or like you know have have a thing for it because you know like you said it's generational it's uh, yeah it's not something that's going to go away i think it's about expecting that you as a business owner you need to know how you want to 
what you need to what you need your team to do. Okay, it's not so much how they do it, but what you need your team to do, and then you need to acknowledge that 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 sorry think about how people might feel differently about it right so if you've got it that you're working in teams and they're self-managed teams right so there's a bit mm. of autonomy and you've got an older person that can't cope with that because i'm much more hierarchical and i need to be told mm. then it's about making sure you're speaking with that person that's struggling with that part to say i need to explain to you how it is that that will this will work, right? Mm. Now, that might mean that this person doesn't fit. It's not a right fit. Yeah. But you've got to make the decision then as a business owner, well, it's better to have them out than yeah. in. In that yeah, case, yeah. that Definitely. bum on that seat's not actually helpful. So it's about this is how I need it to operate. How – going back to talk about that change a little bit, isn't it? You know, mm. is how, how are you all managing that? How are you adapting to that? Who needs extra support to it? Because we're not going to change the intergenerationals. It's not going to happen. Um, so we just need to learn how to manage it. Yeah. Mm. I think what it comes down to is we're, we're constantly walking that tightrope between I want to attract staff, yeah. <clears throat> but I also have got a job to do. Mm. Mm. My staff, they want to work only as much as they want to, to finance their travel. Yeah. <laughs> so younger people, for example, we know now, you know, f- they're, it might not be a priority to buy a house and settle down and live in a certain spot. They want to have flexibility. They want to go travelling. They want to do other things from what people, you know, 50 years wanted to do and... So I think as a business owner, though, we've got a job to do and how do we combine flexibility with getting the job done? And it, it's that, that constantly being pulled, you know, left to right. And I, I think getting that balance right um, is an ongoing project. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I think it's going to be there for a while, just yes. reflecting on people that are more towards a retirement age, you know, more of them are doing, oh, you know, this is too hard. Mm. And yeah. now it's all going online <laughs> and it's <laughs> retirement's looking good. And so you've got that part of your workforce potentially, you know, not not being as present. And then you've got younger people that have had a really tough um, you know, you've you've start to career. Y- yeah. yeah, to finishing their education and starting a career. Like, oh, this is all a bit crazy. Yeah. I don't, you know, don't. so we we could be, you know, a good four or five years of adjustment period before it all um, kind of get some new normal such, in that um, way. Positive developments in the area, though. I'm just thinking, you know, of the Tauri University campus yeah. and uh, oh, 100%. What, what they are doing, and a lot of um, like the, the chambers, you know, Foster Tankari, but also the Tauri, you know, what everyone's doing to attract people to the area. Absolutely. There's so many like good developments. Thanks, Pollyanna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, absolutely. I think, though, it, 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 it's about being prepared for when that is tough. Like, you know, it's always expect the best but also prepare for the worst yeah. um, because the, that generational difference is not going to go away within our workplace. So it's about recognising that and working out what you need to do to manage it. Yeah. All that and attracting, you know, new yeah. people to the area here. Yeah. I mean, it's one, it's about keeping them here but two, you know, bringing them back because yeah. we all know people, you know, your age that have left and have they returned? Some have, some haven't, mm. but how do we get them back? Yeah. Same as you would in your business, I guess. Try mm. to train, retain, yeah. I suppose, over the, and attract new ones to train and then retain them. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Growth yeah. doesn't happen if it's just cyclical. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So. We um, it there's one specific example, um, I suppose in in my workplace, I guess, and it, and it what it factored around was such a long time without change to then to then coming into we came in. 2019 and I, I can tell you if I, if I wasn't in management for four or five years before 
taken over in October 2019, I would be in a terrible spot. <laughs> I think for one thing, it, I was in middle management at that stage, so it made me a lot more resilient to top pressure. Um, but the the last sort of three or four years have been incredibly hard for business managers and employees because we're, we're sitting here, I remember thinking early 2019, like oh, early 2020, sorry, Man, we've just had. I, I thought the fires were bad. Yeah. <laughs> and now, now the cafes and the pubs are closing. Yeah, and yeah. You know, everyone's losing their jobs. What are we going to do? Um, and, and sort of that, there was, like I said, a long period of lead up to that with not much change. And we said, look, we were going to change stuff anyway. Um, get used to it. <laughs> and, and it was really hard for people internally. But I think, like you said, we did have a little bit of a buffer there where we we're able to. Um, say this isn't our fault. This is yeah, government. Yeah. <laughs> you know, government is, made me do it. Bloody COVID, <laughs> um, which which made everyone acceptance mm. accepting of change. And thankfully, we've managed to maintain that culture now, where people are pushing for change and wanting change and looking for ways to innovate and change and helping us build those change processes. Um, but for other businesses out there that were looking at COVID as a temporary change and then a go back, how would people manage that moving forward? Like if it hasn't been communicated for the last three years that mm. this is our path from now on, mm. how would you try to navigate that from now? Yeah, I guess some people are still um, very much in that reactive state. Mm. So they haven't haven't had time to sit down and actually regroup and, you know, come up with a new plan. And mm. I guess this is where we are all in different stages as well. And uh, hopefully, you know, there's quite a number of people um, that, that have had the time now and said, okay, stop where to from here and start the planning process for them and what, you know, business is going to look, look look like from mm. here on in. Yeah. It's almost, I think, that bell curve, isn't it? Like there's, you're at the early adopters in terms yeah, yeah. of it, it, this new way of how we how I can optimise my opportunities as a local business and then you'll have this the bulk of people going, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still spinning, oh, God, I want to go on my holiday. <laughs> and then you've got other people at the other end going, nah, I'm over this, <laughs> I'm shutting the door. I'm and, <laughs> and so I think it'll just be a gradual working out. You know, I think, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that we're looking to do with CPS and the Resolution Network is these bi-monthly get-togethers for business owners and managers to support each other and go through the, the HR-related stuff. It's not HR in terms of sick leave and holiday leave and stuff. It's the people management side of it. Yeah. Um, so we've done the mental wealth one and we're doing a mojo one now. So we'll look at doing those in the new year and that will hopefully help local business owners and managers to get those soft skills, if to you try will. To get some of those skills. Yeah, out. yeah. But, I mean, I think... I mean, I really feel for business local business owners. It's it's a it's a tough gig, yeah. Um, you know, and I think you know they'll be talking to a lot of accountants about what's my business stand. You know, what's yeah. what's my budget look like? <laughs> what am I, you know, how am I, am I hitting my financial goals? Is it getting me where I want to go? So I think there'll be, I think it's yeah. What I'm getting at is, I think I don't think it's an easy answer to it. And I think at the end of the day, as a business owner, if your business is going to succeed, you have to believe in it. You yeah. have to be willing to get up every morning and keep giving to it. Yeah. And for some, for a lot of us, potentially, we're not quite sure where we sit with that Forever right now. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or when I think it's important to break it down a little bit. I yeah. think if you turn around and say, okay, for the next three years, we're doing X, right? Yeah. You know, and I know in my business, I didn't go online. Mm. I did a few, but I really didn't, it wasn't my thing. Mm. So we just stuck it out, yeah. you know? Um, and, 
that was my choice. Whereas I know a lot of other media mediators that went online. They go, I'm never going back to the office. Yeah, and yeah. now I can provide mediations to anybody anywhere, anyone. In a, yeah. you know, anyone. You yeah. know, that's great. They've got a new business model, and that's what rocked their rocks their world. It wasn't for me, and so that's the choice I made. So I think, you know, I think we've just got to support each other. I think we've got to not judge each other. We've got to, um, you know, help. Help a business owner to make a good business decision. Yeah. What about getting comfortable with making mistakes? Is that something that's oh, important? Yeah, hundred mm. percent. I think. Um, I mean, that's something I struggle with. I'm a perfectionist mm. in my tendencies. <laughs> Bianca. <laughs> Someone actually said to me the other day, "Do you do anything spontaneous?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> um, I think. Um, yeah, and I think COVID's taught us that, hasn't it? It's mm. okay. You know, we didn't know how it was going to go. No, no one knew <laughs> a correct yeah, yeah, playbook. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I still can't get that share screen going on Zoom. Yeah, I'm still mute. getting mistaken. Yeah, you're yeah, a yeah, mute, yeah, probably yeah, yeah, yeah. most said words <laughs> yeah, in yeah, 2020. Exactly. Um, um, perfectionism is a thing. Yeah. We are seeing that in really young children as well as, as adults now. And I guess the question is if, if perfect, if your own you know, way of having it to have everything perfect is actually impacting you negatively. Mm. That's when we need to say, okay, do I need to do something about this? Yeah. So, and I'm seeing quite a lot of people um, presenting with that these days. And uh, It's a control thing, isn't it's, it? Well, it's a control thing, but it's also um, people's um, job security is, is bound to that. So they mm. think, oh, if I don't do my job properly, I'm going to lose my job. And what would losing your job mean right now? Mm. So people, you know, it, it, it plays on people's anxieties and... Um, some of uh, my treatment um, involves, you know, what happens if you leave your bin out too long, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it is like, all right, I'm not perfect. I'm leaving my bin out. Yeah. What happens if you turn up to a meeting late? <laughs> Nothing actually. Yeah. Leaving mm. bin out and turning up to your meeting late, no one's going to rip your head off. Mm. And it is about loosening things up a little bit and going, okay, it's okay not to be perfect all the time. So looking after yourself in that way. The only flip side I'm going to say of that <laughs> <laughs> is, is that I think, some people, I, I, I know that there are businesses struggling with the adjustment coming back into work and some people still aren't back at work and that and that there's some people that feel like they're still having a bit of a lend and they're at mm. home working but they're not really. Mm. And so I think we, we were very tolerant of each other when we were in the, you know, the last two years yeah. because we were all doing it for the first time. Again, I think from a business owner's perspective is that tolerance but also those boundaries. Mm. So the mistakes are fine but it, but it's understanding that we need to learn from those or the consequences of those and and how do we make sure that we don't happen those don't happen mm. again if they're significant so yeah. give each other space to make mistakes but not have it that that means that we accept underperformance mm. yeah, but don't good. stress the small stuff yeah. <laughs> well yeah 100 percent. yeah 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 exactly because i think you can get that overflow that that particularly when you're heightened and your lids up suddenly the bin staying out for too long mm. is and, is and it's not deal. even it's mm. not even rational but no, that's because your lids up that's yeah. right. Yeah, there's other stresses. <laughs> Not your bin lid. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Lid down. <laughs> two, two points. One, Tash made a mistake while we were on holidays. Oh, I think no. it's the first mistake I've ever seen her make. <laughs> <laughs> she booked a boat for 1.20am instead of pm. <laughs> now, and did you guys now, laugh yeah. about it? We did. We yeah. had a good time. We just went and had a few pinnacle while we waited for the yeah, next yeah, one. Yeah. Four. Um, but I just wanted to point that out just so it's on record. Yeah. Yeah. She made a mistake, not me. Now you're calling it out. I'm sure she'd be stoked. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, the other thing It's I okay to make a mistake, Tash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're here the, for you. The acceptance of mistakes throughout your team and, and yeah. like you hear it a lot through bigger companies, it's a lot easier for them to weather a mistake generally if the money's bigger. Yeah. But, um, but 
usually if you're not making mistakes, it's because you're doing the exact same thing as yeah. you're doing yesterday in, in the exact same way. Yeah. Um, so mistakes have to be accepted and yeah. and sort of almost encouraged. I mean, yeah. Again, we'd, we'd prefer it go perfectly. But yeah. yeah. Um, if it's, it's not going, reality. If it's going perfectly and it's the same thing as yesterday, there's no improvement, there's no growth, right. there's no benefit yeah. to the business. Yeah, but I think that's an interesting, isn't it? It's like if you want one of the guys to make a mistake in your job, let them go do it at your place. Don't, yeah, <laughs> don't yeah, do it at my yeah, – like, you know, if, you try, if you're trialling yeah. new equipment or something like that, yeah. well, then, you know, find a safe space in which to actually give that a go. So the, it's about making a mistake in a safe environment, not at – High risk, yeah. and it's always that yeah, that risk mitigation of what yeah. what would happen if this worst case fails, this bit of equipment, this whatever. If yeah. it's not a big deal, then yes, that's a good thing to test it on. If it could be catastrophic, do yeah. not test yeah, it on yeah, that. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And yeah. the reality is that uh, often the person making the mistake they beat themselves up yeah. more than you can do that yeah. to yeah. them. So it's about you know recognizing you know each other there and going. Mm. It's okay. Yeah, I think important. Like a lot of people say, mistakes are good. They encourage whatever. But importantly, there needs to be some sort of reflex or, or process around that, and say like, "Hey, make sure you come to me. Like, if we can catch yeah. this early and, and solve the mistake before it occurs or something goes wrong. Um, but also, if it's already gone wrong, come to me and say, "This is what's gone wrong. This is why I think it's gone wrong. Can you help me solve it?" It's about building yeah culture in the work place to actually communicate that and you know for people to be comfortable enough have an open door policy going Mm. you know hey didn't go to plan how yeah. can we solve this? Mm. And it is hard because a lot of people, their first reaction is, how do I bury this? Yeah, 100%. So the <laughs> boss never finds Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, from a customer's perspective, like if you imagine from your side, like, you know, people make mistakes, you just want them to own it yeah. and say, hey, this is what's happened, this is what I'm going to do to fix it. Okay. Yeah. It's when you try and bury it that it's like, yeah, that's not cool. Yeah. The perfect, <laughs> perfect in- analogy, I suppose, in our business, right, is doing pest control, say doing a cockroach treatment, not every house is the same. Cockroaches don't act the same every day. When you're dealing with nature, you don't have total control. Mm. So what we do for that is say, well, here's a warranty. And yeah. if something goes wrong, let us know. Yeah. And we say, hey, is there anything going wrong? Yeah. And and so we, we chase that up to say, like, uh, mistakes are uh, not encouraged. We try not to make them. Mm. Um, but they're, they're accepted. accepted because mm. there's things that are out of our control. And what that translates to usually is happy customers 100%. because the customer doesn't care that they've seen a cockroach they care that you don't answer their phone when when they yeah. ring to say hey i'm seeing cockroaches <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> okay, it's not my fault yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Or, or different you, cockroaches yeah, that's right or you're, you're making a mistake you make yeah. an excuse in the background yeah so that's something i suppose we train a lot in our technical team is hey make sure you educate this process throughout and i yeah. suppose that that translates to staffing stuff is that yeah. this needs to be educated before it looks like i'm making an yeah. excuse for bad behavior yeah, yeah. and i think i just want to come back to when we talk about normalizing you know 20 minutes ago i think that's a really interesting point trent in that i think we can look at things that both that um, Bianca would help people with, or, or I would help them with, is is trying to incorporate those into team meetings or communication, is mm. so that it's actually part of how we just talk about stuff. So yeah. it's you know some people have, I've, when I've you know, used to do um, big group training around difficult conversations and they're ah oh, no we did that and didn't work and they still don't do it and I go oh that's really interesting I said oh, do you when you do your KPIs and you do reviews did you ask them to give you an example of a difficult conversation they've managed well oh it's like you got to embed it 
You've yeah. got to make it part of what you don't just send them off for a course. Don't just send them off to a course on mental health. Mm. Don't just send them off on a course on difficult conversations. And Look for opportunities to incorporate it into how you do business. And it doesn't have to be negative. It can be a good example. Who faced a really difficult situation that they felt they handled really well? Oh, I did. There was this customer going crazy. And this is what I do. You know, yeah. that's great. Celebrate yeah. that, you know. And everyone's going to think that they did it. Like, you know, if you say, oh, you know, did you do that? Mm. Yes, yeah, I did. But their understanding of that yeah, was yeah. completely different to, to reality. <laughs> My nephew cleaning his bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perfect yeah. example of that that phrasing is a, like a bringing people through in training, saying, did you do any study on the weekend or what study did you do on the weekend? Yeah, they, they get very different responses. Yeah, exactly. one, one gets a, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And the other gets a, oh, uh, uh, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> In between the swannies yeah. and the rabbits. Yeah, that's right. That's it's always something more important. Man, um, staff management is easily the hardest part of my day. Um, <laughs> yeah. Jake, Jake's managed lots and lots of staff over his career um, through Telstra. He had big teams under you. What uh, are your lessons then? Just go on, let it, lay it on us. What's your I, biggest I lesson? What's your golden rule that you would tell somebody else? My number one thing would be follow-up. You, you've already yep. mentioned it, but... It, it made a massive difference internally. And it's so hard, though, because I'm like, man, I've got my job to do. I don't want to have to follow up and do mm-hmm. your job too. Um, but it, it makes a massive difference in making sure that job gets done. and then Accountability. Yeah, and then, you know, you might follow up every two weeks or every month mm. at first. But then you're following up every three months or every six months or every 12 months. And then it's just happening yeah. without you following it up. Like a, your follow-ups then just become regimented and, and planned rather than, uh, I've got to follow this person up all yeah. the time. Incorporate it into how you do your stuff. <laughs> and mine would be you, don't delay the conversation. Yeah. So if you know you've got to have a difficult conversation or something like that, do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't, don't say, oh, yeah, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> like, because, yeah, you can always find an excuse that you didn't get to one of those difficult conversations, but do it as soon as possible and plan, but not too much. Because mm-hmm. you can also over plan these conversations. Oh, and then yeah. they say something, it goes a completely different direction. And you're yeah. like, no, no, but I've got to get stick to this plan. But yeah. it's better as a conversation with your key points or key outcomes mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. That's that's why I'll be very clear about what you want to achieve out yeah. of that. Yeah. Those conversations. Yeah. And on the mental health side, because like, that's, that's going to be a really confronting thing for an owner. Yeah. A manager to have to speak to someone that says, I think, you know, it's looking to me like you're struggling. Yeah. So h- how do you guys manage that? Yeah. What's your advice? It was something that I, I really struggled with. Um, like, you know, being able to identify that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we had a bit of external help and things like that on that. So, again, it's more about questioning and listening to them rather than sort of telling them what they are, telling them what they're doing wrong. It's, it's sort of, you know, more of that, li- just listening to them and and what's going on, and then yeah, referring them to places they may if they if we feel they need help or again they they're saying they need help, then you know using that as the as the thing to get that that help started. Mm. I my experience with it's very low, um, mm. so that's why we sort of tried to be proactive in creating the AA or implementing the AAP mm. um, because I I my. I suppose emotional intelligence is not very good. It's, you know, I'll work on it. I'm sure I'll improve it over mm. time, but I'm, I'm never going to be at the same level as you know somebody who's naturally like that. Mm. Um, so my plan around that was let's just put some things in place and let's bring them up in every meeting. Let's say this is there. Is any, you know, not is anyone accessing it, but you know, if it if remember if it's you there are for you. Mm. Bad, mm. You know, make sure you know it's there. Mm. And so we incorporated that into more of a. Um, what we're calling ECP or a employee care plan, which sort of looks at, well, how can we support them people, uh, you know, their mental health? 
um, but, you know, their, their physical health as well um, and as well as give them access to some sort of education so that there's, you know, there's always that progression or ability to progress if they want to. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that's just me projecting, you know, the things that I like to do mm. onto them. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, but, but I suppose it's just it's, a, it's an optional thing that's there to try and encourage people into that, mm. um, make them happier in, in their environment. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just about to cut us off. Oh, you go. Because yeah. <laughs> there's so much to learn, obviously, around this sort of stuff. Is there, is there any books or things that you'd recommend that people look at getting into or any courses they should do? Or oh, there's, there's no... No, no formula. No, no yeah, yeah. there's no yeah. formula. There's no, you know, because there's no one size fits all and each, each person comes with their own story and with their own struggles. But I think in general, um, looking after yourself, looking out for the signs mm-hmm. um, that, that you or, you know, the person next to you is unwell yeah. and knowing where to go and what to do. And um, there's plenty of services in the mental health space out there. There's local services but also... Um, there's online services quite widely available and there's plenty of information. So, I mean, Googling that, there's, you know, safe pages like the Black Dog Institute or, you know, for younger people, the Headspace sites. And I think that would be the first go-to that, that one can go to. And then, um, you know, further on, the local services, definitely I would recommend, you know, to make that phone call rather sooner than later and, um, yeah, get the person seen too. Yeah, trying to act early. And what about from the resolution perspective? Like, mm. is there is there a place that people can go to try and learn some of these skills before they need them? Um, there's there's certainly some resources. So you mentioned Crucial Conversations before. I really love their stuff. I think yeah. they do a great job. It's like um, six or seven authors or something. Else yeah, yeah, they <laughs> just wasn't one person's no. perspective. <laughs> um, yeah. But the, even their website, they've got some good um, videos and and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, my take on it is that I mean it's great reading a book, yeah. but sometimes there can be a big gap between the book you read and how it applies in your life. Yeah. So for those that like going and getting that understanding and and getting some insight and knowledge themselves, but I think actually speaking to somebody who does it day in day out, getting some in my case, like you know I do more coaching. I, I'm tending to move away because people used to go, come and train my 40 people on how to have difficult conversations because Shirley and Bob had a fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and Shirley and Bob don't even turn up for the training. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, no, I'd rather work with you, the owner or the managers, so that you're actually able to better manage those situations. So, yeah. you know, you can go and read a book and that's great, but I think nothing replaces speaking with someone who can actually then help you reflect on mm-hmm. what does this look like in my place as yeah. a coach and helping you to develop that because I think actually people are probably a lot better than what they think yeah they just haven't got the confidence because they don't know what to look for to say am I succeeding or not and like Bianca said we're always going to bash ourselves up about the things that we don't do well so you know it's that that, like the great thing about the EAP service is often you know if you can get in there early enough and support person early enough they haven't actually you know really moved down yeah Yeah, exactly and i think the same with a bit of coaching if as a manager or owner you're like i think i kind of know what to do but i just don't quite feel like i really handle that situation well or i'm a new manager and i've never had to give somebody performance management before you can go get a book and go you do performance management right but it's still theory right so it's nothing like having a coach who can help you actually go okay let's pretend i'm the person you're giving me your feedback to let's go yeah um so one thing Jake and I discussed before we came up here was that it's such a precarious situation with mental health for a business because it, it's 
like a if you're insensitive you could say you could be pushed on easy and 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 you don't want to be insensitive because i i know of a pest business so you know they had beers with their technician he drove home on his way home he drove into a tree and killed himself and they you know now they're living with the fact that they just had beers and they they didn't necessarily say are you okay so then they feel somewhat responsible for that incident um but you also don't want to leave yourself open to you know, drawn out um, workers' compensation claims or, you know, potential massive loss in revenue um, over that time. And I've heard certainly lots and lots of those stories as well. So it's just a hard one to try and find that line. And I suppose what what you're saying is that early intervention Mm. is the only thing that you can do. And just hope that it's well, not a bad thing. Even before early intervention, it's prevention. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of a stepped approach, isn't it? And mm-hmm. uh, prevention is better than a cure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think for those long drawn out ones, that that of, often workers' comp claims, particularly if they're psychological ones, are complex ones. Yeah. Um, I think as a business owner, um, what the law rec- the law gives everybody the opportunity to put forward their case. Yeah. So if a person feels that that's what's happened in the workplace, um, what we need to do as business managers is make sure we've had all our systems in place, that we've provided the training, that we've done what we you know, needed to do to create a safe workplace. And unfortunately, it's just about getting our mental support, the right mental health support as we go through the process because mm. that person's entitled according to the law and the systems yeah. to actually go through that. So just be confident that you've done what you need to do, you've gotten the and right so advice. They sh- and so they should be because yeah, there's 100%. a bag employees, yeah. employers out there as well. Yeah, so. I mean, it's, you know, truth on every side. Yeah. But I think as business owners, it's making sure you get support to support you through that because they can be long and drawn out and difficult and yeah. you often have to make quite difficult decisions. Yeah. So. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Yeah, I, yeah, so I could go for another yeah. hour or two, but that's <laughs> <laughs> no, been very good. Yeah, thanks heaps for coming on. We need on, to apologise to all the Shirleys and Bobs out there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 They've been beefing. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Shirley Sorry, and Bob. Sorry, and Bob. That's all right. yeah. There is one last question we'd like to ask. Um, we might start with you, Bianca. Um, if we get you on again in five years, um, what would you like to be talking about then? Perfect um, world and everyone's happy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> be out of a job. Yeah, that would be my ideal. Yeah, that would be my ideal. Um, I think we will be talking about how we have managed um, COVID and, you know, especially the natural disasters and how a community can come, come out on the other end yeah. and uh, how we're all coming back together and, uh, yeah, ending up in a better world. Mm-hmm. Pollyanna has come out. <laughs> I'll join you on that one. Um, I'd love to be talking about what I think is happening locally by local business owners and managers and the systems and structures they've got in place and and their greater competency to yeah. manage this stuff. Mm. Um, I you know I think it's you know the the ripple effect from the big city to the country town. I don't think we should have to expect that we're in a regional town and so we have to put up with shit workplaces. Mm, yeah. You know, I think we, you know, if in a, does, we don't have to have the HR manager, but we we can have access. Start the to, trend. We can start it. So I'd love to be talking about that in five years, about all the great things we're doing to support our staff. Yeah, cool. And I know you guys came highly recommended from Nigel Ferguson. He was on a podcast mm. and you. mentioned you. On that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how do people get in touch with you guys then if they wanted to explore those channels? Um, from my side, just head to our website, resolutionnetwork.com.au, and you'll find all our details on there. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, and similar to us. So um, Clinical Psychology Solutions has got a website as well and uh, we can be both found on Facebook as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And and if people are interested in the um, regular catch-ups that we're looking to do for business owners and managers, yeah. then jump online and send us an email and we'll add you to the mailing list yeah. so you know um, when they're coming up. Yeah, perfect. Excellent. Cool. Thank Thanks you very guys. much. Lovely. Been great. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Tell a friend and also let us know who you'd like to hear from on the podcast.